seasons and really just taking time for introspection and reflection on myself, my role within the larger collective, and how I want to shape cooperative journal going forward. And so I've just been uh, really meditating on that and I'm also coming up on the one-year anniversary of the podcast, which is January 29th, and I've decided that I need to share my voice. I started Cooperative Journal in May of 2020, and really, it stemmed from my desire for tangible solutions. I found myself complaining a lot about the system. I was really, really upset by uh, the George Floyd shooting, as many of us were. And I felt like all of the protests that were happening, while they were important for shedding light and illuminating the injustices that are still going on, they were really fighting for change in an economic system that was built off of slavery, off of exploitation, that thrives off of it. And so I really just didn't feel like the solutions were in trying to change policy Um or even just moving out of the anger that this generational trauma has inflicted on us, but to really transmute that anger and think about, well, what were our ancestors doing when they were faced with injustices? You know, they worked together when they couldn't rely on... Uh, external benefactor, they look to their community. They look to each other. That's how our societies were ran before. Why can't we create that now? Um, And so, yeah, after seeing all of the uprising, I had a moment one day where I was really just distraught. And I was like, I wish I could do something about this. Like, I want to have a voice in some way. And shortly after, I had a dream, and I woke up with the name Cooperative Journal. And I was like, okay, this is it. 
this is how I will be able to learn about what can a society look like that is ran completely cooperatively? Um, how are people doing this around the world? Co-ops are so much more than just a food cooperative, which was my limited knowledge of it. And as I did deeper and deeper research, I realized that for every single industry, we can and people are creating cooperative models. So I thought, what better way to study them than to reach out to them and do case stories, figure out how they started, um, what was the inspiration behind it? Because, you know, cooperatives are generally created because there's a need that is lacking, that isn't being met in their community. So they're creating this model to collectively meet their needs. So, yeah, I just wanted to highlight the diversity and the spectrum of what we can create when we work as a collective. And initially, I really only knew about co-ops. I didn't even know what mutual aid was. But as I started getting more into this network and community of people that have been doing this work of collectivizing the economy for decades... I realized mutual aid is another way. It doesn't even just have to be a business model, but we're also thinking about systems of care for creating resilience within our community. These people all around the world from urban to rural environments that are finding solutions to our most pressing issues. Um and putting the power back into workers, putting the power back into communities, cultivating collective agency, and realizing that each one of us is an asset. We all have a role. Um, we aren't limited to the titles that we may work in our day-to-day -day lives just to make money. We are so much more than that. We are so much more whole and to really tap into those skills that people have in our communities and create something with it together. So really that's my intention with Cooperative Journal. But yeah, I just want to really put myself out there. I really like to be the person behind the scenes. I'm a Scorpio. Um, I like to be the weaver, um, the silent mover that's curating things but isn't front-facing. And that was my intention with Cooperative Journal as well. I was like, no one needs to know that I'm the one running this. But really, there's not enough people of color in this um in the sphere of collectivization of our economic system. And also, like, I didn't grow up with this information. So I just want to share my story so that I'm able to have direct communication with people so that I can connect with more like-minded people 
And I just want this podcast to be a little bit more personable. Um, You know, collectivism is all about relationships. And if Cooperative Journal as a platform is really rooted in that value of starting from the foundation of building relationships, then I want to build a relationship with my listeners. Yeah, so as I was reflecting and really intentionally considering the language that I choose to use and how I want to embody my identity, I also started to think about my name. And my full name is Ebony Joy Gustav. And I've been introducing myself as Ebony Gustav on the podcast. And I really started to think deep about that. Gustav is from a French lineage. Um, and my great-grandparents were born in the French colonized island of St. Lucia. And my dad actually didn't want me to be named Ebony because he thought that I would be discriminated against just off of my name. In job applications, they would put me in the other pile because they saw my name was Ebony. And so subconsciously, I had a lot of work to do about my name and really only in the past few years did I really start to love my name and realize how much I'm actually shaping into my name. So ebony means black, but it's also a part of the family Ebenaceae in botany and the ebony tree is one of the strongest woods you'll find in the world. Um, and then joy. My mom was so brilliant to name me Black Joy. And at the time when I was struggling with my first name and I didn't really love being associated with it, my mom was like, oh, well, when you get famous, you can go by E-Joy. And I'm not famous, but I've been thinking about like how I want to present myself. And I really want to honor my name and my lineage and present myself as Ebony Joy because that's what I want to embody. I come from a Panamanian background um, my parents are Panamanian and so you know I did the normal thing I went to college after graduating high school I actually went to the Fashion Institute of Technology and I studied fashion merchandising um, but throughout those years of working in fashion it was really like devoid of freedom I felt it was devoid of care. It felt very like profit driven and superficial. And I never really felt like I was being honored as a human in the way that I should. 
And so after graduating college, I decided that I didn't want to work in fashion. And in fact, an entry-level job was going to pay me less than what I was making serving at a restaurant at the time. So instead, I was like, well, I have some money saved up and I don't really know what I'm doing with my life right now. So why not use that money and buy a one-way ticket to South Africa? So... I didn't know anyone in South Africa. Uh, I didn't really know much about it besides something I had read in a a fashion article. I felt really called to be of service in some way. So, and work with the land, even though I had never done that before. And, you know, I don't have any, like, direct connection to lineage where they were farming, but I just knew that I was really lacking practical skills, that if I needed to survive in this world, what I learned in um, the former part of my life through school wasn't going to equip me for that. So I wanted to seek out people that I could learn from as well as be of service to their project um, and really just learn in the best way I think, which is experientially. So um, I did an eight-month journey all around Southern Africa, all through public transportation, solo, and I was completely transformed. I saw that from where I came from, like that so many people were confined to this one ideology, to this one way of living. And there were people living so sovereignly. And even if they didn't have maybe so much material wealth, they had an incredible wealth of knowledge. Some of the most intelligent people I know They do not have large bank accounts. In fact, one of the most impactful people I met, he was traveling around Southern Africa with no money, just hitchhiking and um, hopping to various projects and just offering his skills. And he said when people ask him what he does for a living, he says, I live And so many people don't have the privilege to say that. Most are not living just following the same patterns that we've seen. And yeah, so I was able to work with the land. I learned natural building techniques. I learned about permaculture And that was really transformative. Some of the most beautiful and grounding connections that I had during that time really showed me what true community is and what we can truly accomplish uh, when we are working together. And I was really just able to, to expand the amount of trust that I had in myself, in my intuition, Um, and 
also my trust in strangers because my whole trip was navigated by the people that I met. And I just was shown so much care and love and also so much freedom. Um, Ways that people were really rooting back into their essence, into the essence of the land, into the essence of their ancestors, and um, connecting with that to be a sovereign being. So I learned about permaculture and someone told me, yeah, this, this is something you should really take because it's really just practical life skills. It completely changed my life. And I decided to take a permaculture design certification. And um, the focus was on improving our inner world so that we could be of service to the outer world. Also, I started to learn just about all of the different elements that make up permaculture. That permaculture is, in fact, an ecosystem and not just regenerative agriculture. It's really a holistic system of ways that we can be in harmony with the earth, how we can design our systems, our education, our communities. And I was like, wow, why don't we learn this in school? Why don't we learn about not only our connection to self and each other, but our connection with all of these living systems around us? And how can we model our own to reflect that? And so, yeah, I would get elements of these permaculture principles in places that I visited, um, some intentional communities I stayed in, some volunteer land-based permaculture projects as well. And I really wanted to figure out how I could create the same feeling and really tell people about this knowledge that I've gained along my travels. And so that looked like teaching permaculture to children, curating a karma kitchen, a pay-it-forward restaurant in Brooklyn, doing more traveling where I had the opportunity to learn more about botany and indigenous plants around the world and the importance of preserving that and realizing that the monoculture that we see in farming is really also being reflected in our economic system, that there is only one way, that um, diversity isn't that important and that there is an authority that we need to listen to. But really, there isn't one way. There isn't one authority. We are all the authority. There isn't one system. We can create many systems. As you see in nature, there is an abundance of different systems that we don't even fully understand. 
Um, there's so many intricacies within nature and within ourselves that we don't even tap into. There's this really good Steve Jobs quote that I always mention, but it's that you can't connect the dots looking forward. You can only connect them looking backward. And looking back, I see how all of these, which may at the time to my family and even myself, may have seemed like kind of scattered, they all were shaping into this experience of a different system, a different way of living. And to really be rooted in the fact that justice starts with self. And so all of that time I spent traveling was me connecting to self and learn about how people were meeting their needs through each other, how people were living sovereign and zero-waste lives, and to really start to question, how should we be living? How should I be living? And how can I be a living model every day of what we can be and do the wealth that we have in urban environments is humans we have so many humans there's so much opportunity to work in community with each other to learn from each other like if we really started to asset map our communities we would realize that there's an incredible abundance of wealth so really shifting from this scarcity mindset into abundance as individuals we're scarce but as collectives we're abundant so yeah i'm just really excited to continue learning with all of you and um, really deepening my understanding and my processes for how we can be in right relationship with each other and the earth. Yeah, there's some other community projects that I have stewarded and um, they're all in like in some way trying to disrupt people's mindsets of how they view their role, what they have access to, and what community really needs. I am really filled and inspired by all of these stories I get to hear from around the world that I'm like, oh, what will work where I am? How can I help build the foundation for this? And especially in a city where there's so many access to resources, there's businesses, there are a lot of abandoned spaces. How can we use the city in a way that it can be a model throughout the pandemic 
so many businesses have closed and so many people are realizing that there's very little care and intentionality in the way our communities are designed, our workplaces, and um, and really just a lack of value of who we are as humans in our capacity. And people are searching for something else. When our man-made structures crumble, where do we go? When we can't rely on the government, when we can't rely on these external dominant forces when the places we shop are destroying the environment, when we don't get sick leave, when we don't get adequate maternal leave, like, what else is there? Do we have to deal with this? Is this the only way? And the answer is no. Sometimes it's hard to even dream about something else when all we've known is what's in front of us. So I'm just really trying to create this platform that Uh, shows us all the ways that it is possible and that it is happening and that we can take our ancestral practices of mutual aid, of collectivism, and adapt it to our modern environment. So yeah, in this revisioning process, I've tried to be really intentional about language and I've realized that I've limited myself with the descriptor of the podcast which is interviews with co-ops and mutual aid initiatives from around the world that are creating alternatives to our current economic system. Now the basis of this podcast is co-ops and mutual aid initiatives. I'm wanting to highlight these groups, these models, but it's not the only models of the solidarity economy, which can also be an episode in itself. Like, what is the solidarity economy? If capitalism isn't working, what's the complete opposite? And that is the solidarity economy. It's non-extractive, shared governance, shared ownership, autonomy, ecological sustainability, and at its foundation, it puts people and the planet over profit. So we're not relying on infinite growth um, unless it's spiritual. You know, there's ways that people are collectivizing or bringing collective agency within their model even if they aren't necessarily a mutual aid group or a co-op and there's also incredible organizations that are um, really rooted in 
giving resources to cooperatives and mutual aid initiatives. I want the podcast to show how we can meet all of our needs within this solidarity economy. How can we do business? How can we be in community with each other? How can we socialize in a way that is regenerative, that puts the power into the people? So how are we rethinking culture, money, education, food, housing, work, and our wellness through the lens of solidarity. And I also wanted to shift out of the language of alternative economic system. I'm trying to catch myself every time I say this solidarity economy as an alternative because really it's devaluing its potential. It's keeping it at um, a subpar level. And, you know, these models work on a small and larger scale. But when they scale larger, they aren't scaling for shareholder profit. They want to share the wealth between more people, but not hoard it as a a larger entity. Yeah, that's really the language that I really want to be rooted in. Along my journey of creating Cooperative Journal, I had the pleasure of meeting Robin, who is my friend and collaborator and fellow dreamer. We spend a lot of time dreaming. (laughs) And it's also been so beautiful to see the things that we dream about manifest. And yeah, I just want to introduce Robin to the podcast because they were really crucial in me rethinking what Cooperative Journal can be, like outside of just a hobby. I want to give Robin some space to share a little bit about who they are and how we got connected. And then we're going to share a bit about what Cooperative journal has evolved into which is a media platform and some of the projects that we worked on together to lead up to this point i'm calling in from my home here in a place called canticle farm on a lonely land which is a huge grounding and driver for like why i feel called to quote-unquote solidarity economy storytelling Cause I get to like, it's an intentional community here with like 40 people across race, across generations, across faith, across genders, all the differences. And we're all trying to figure out how to live together and serve our neighborhood. And just on the daily, I'm surrounded by these little moments of the world. I feel like a lot of us are dreaming into moments of meeting each other's needs and moments of learning and resource sharing and moments of like oh you need a lemon we got extra lemons you know from um yeah just abundance redistribution around me at all times and I also am surrounded by people who are stuck in the belief of that not being possible you know in our wider Fruitvale neighborhood and I just so long to like connect the dots for these little glimpses of other worlds being possible to to 
to land and float around as little seeds and land in people who who yeah need to know that as the creative wildfire manifesto says like we don't need to go back to normal and there are other normals and they're ancient normals and new normals and yeah we got other options so let's see origin stories um well we met at a time where it's funny in my phone your name is still ebony with the little nerd emoji because we met at a time when we were both I think we just aligned around this like hunger to learn about solidarity economy histories and um <laughs> so that was the inception was around like let's learn together and um I found the podcast and was like wow this is really similar to work that I have been um, helping out with and trying to steward with this group Solidarity Economy Law Center. No, Sustainable Economy Law Center. And um, they're based in Oakland, Ohlone Land. And yeah, we were just like in the question with that project of like how to tell broad brush narratives about the growth of um, the economic democracy movement, Solidarity Economy movement, movement with many names. <laughs> And so when I found the podcast, I was like, oh my gosh, this is something I've been dreaming of. You know, these stories need to get out there. These stories as seeds need to spread in the wind. When you ask me like, what sparked this? What sparked like leaving um, the, some of the worlds that I come from where like I was kind of trained to go into like corporate America and stuff like that. I think what really sparked me rerouting was like, the first time I was really in an art space, except for like middle school art classes. <laughs> the first time I like allowed myself to go into this, it was a theater space, uh, Theater of the Oppressed. And we, which was in college, we would go into um, prisons and rehab facilities and be making plays with women in there um, about like societal barriers and about addiction and would consistently arrive to this conclusion that would just make me like so angry around how we're all addicted and the people who I was on campus with and the people who I grew up with a lot were just addicted to things that society happened to reward like jobs and titles and money and things like this and yeah that anger like over the course of many years and over the course of using the tools of art to like transform it within me, that anger, you know, moves through to grief and that grief, yeah, can fuel me now. And just like art has been such a savior to my mental health too, in like reckoning with my own lineages and so many stories that feel a little inexplicable in words in this moment, but yeah, I was like in the question when we met, like, how can this heart stuff be supportive to other people who are also trying to find their role in, in this big transition we're all in right now? And yeah, so then we, we were learning together with Annie Capitalism for Artists when we found out about their cooperative arts cohort and got our first chance co-facilitating around the role of the artists in the solidarity economy 
um, playing with this whole like what we were calling the process and product dynamic of um, you know how do we embody in our processes the the principles of the solidarity economy as well as make quote unquote products that can support by spotlighting these these stories and these projects and yeah I think in that initial collaboration phase when we were starting to facilitate together um, both in person and online and facilitate these like what is the role of the artist in the solidarity economy I think I was really in that question myself and barely like claimed the term artist and knew that my role like coming from my backgrounds of like worlds of privilege and things like that my role is to redistribute and be organizing my people to, to redistribute and follow leadership of the solidarity economy movement people who have been most impacted by capitalism and are visioning all these dope solutions so i was like okay well i know how to make visuals and i know how to like be with other people wanting to make visuals and how can that be of service i've seen that thread continue and what we're up to and yeah with creative wildfire then we got to do like a longer version of that workshop and I don't know if you want to speak to what that was all about yeah so we were a part of an amazing group of artists that got selected through creative wildfire to make art about their manifesto of not going back to normal and this is a trifecta of Movement Generation, Climate Justice Alliance, and New Economy Coalition. So really organizations that are uh, rooted in the values of creating a more generative economic system. So we did a three-part participatory art workshop series um, where we did political education around the solidarity economy, co-creation sessions with the artist and um, the third series was about distribution how can we and how can how can we get these stories out there and how can we support them in uh, distributing it in their own communities so yeah this project really had this circular model process that um, Robin and I have decided to use as kind of like an outline of what our intentions are with cooperative journal media and that's moving from education to imagination and co-creation to then taking that and building with our communities to then actualize um, those dreams that we have. So cooperative journal media will be the umbrella for the podcast amongst other ways that we plan on engaging with the larger community and sharing art about the solidarity economy. So we will be creating multimedia case stories and that's one of the things that Robin had presented when we first met that they wanted to add animation or a gif to the audio clips from the podcast and I thought it was brilliant 
it could really just enhance the way I was presenting these stories to connect with people in a multi-sensory way because not everyone is able to really grasp knowledge through listening. Maybe visuals could help ignite that sense of imagination and to allow them to see themselves within what could be and what is happening. We'll also be offering illustration and animation, which is Robin's forte and... They are, they have a gift of making complex concepts more digestible through art. And we want to continue doing curriculum design and workshops centered around the solidarity economy and how people can get their needs met within it, as well as housing galleries of solidarity economy art which is a really broad term and it hasn't really been defined yet, but essentially it's artists that are not engaging in the elitist art worlds and are thinking of other ways that they can produce their art and share it in a collective way. So all of these components of cooperative journal media is really to create multi-sensory and multimedia experiences where activating people to imagine, generate, and participate in the economy they dream of. So while they're listening to the voices of the people that are shaping this economy, engaging in hands-on co-creation and digesting visual art, people are invited to fully embody what a new economy will look, sound, and feel like. Oh, there's so much. I feel like I love the phrasing you often use of like, how do we support folks to like feel these stories in such a like full body way, like using multi-sensory ways and things and then the workshop experiences and things like this. Like how do folks feel it so much that they then are like expanded that there are other options and you know the sense that I feel like I had and many other folks have of like this system is not working there's got to be other ways but like making that apparent and feelable with with some of the the audio visual comboed stories and then supporting people to feel those stories within community within collectives in the context of workshops and things like that and passing them on to other organizers who have been deep in the political ed work for so many decades and yeah giving those as as tools for other organizers to use and yeah we'll see what emerges it all feels pretty pretty mysterious what um yeah, I think what personally drives us is maybe what um, will like magnetize others on this path too around the question of like, what is each of ours role in this transition? What is everyone's role in being in solidarity with the solidarity economy movement? And so, yeah, I feel really curious <laughs> what's gonna happen next. <laughs> Me too. It's really shaping and changing so quickly. Um, 
but I feel like it's really an opportune time for it because as we transition out of this system that is breaking in front of our eyes, uh, people are really going to be seeking what else? Yeah, as I had mentioned, Robin was really central to igniting this idea within me that cooperative journal can be something bigger than just a hobby. And so they've been helping me and trying to figure out how we can sustain this and uh, survive within capitalism. Like, even though the system's breaking down, we still have to navigate through it and we still need capital. So we really want to be intentional about where the money's coming from, who we're collaborating with, and we don't want ads. Um, We don't want to be that type of podcast. And we really just want to be sustained by other projects that we're working on and, um, yeah, highlighting the work that we've been doing through like the workshop series and um and gathering those stories and sharing it to the public since we are doing this as a gift um you can contribute by possibly bringing us on for a workshop and a story share We can make art about the solidarity economy together. And also, we want to hear your own ideas about themes that you'd love to hear about um, within the solidarity economy. And if you are a collective project that you feel like falls into the category of the solidarity economy, I want to hear from you. Reach out to me. I'd love to have you on the podcast. That would make my life so much easier because research takes a lot of time. These models are not very outward facing. So save me the time and share your stories with me. We have a page on Open Collective Foundation, which I will add the link in the show notes. But you guys can support the project through there too. It's a um, it's a transparent system for uh, largely open source platforms and mutual aid initiatives to be able to receive fiscal sponsorship and have a transparent bank account and receive backers through this profile. So you can join as one of our backers to allow us to continue this work. I just want to shout you out for how much you give to the wider collective. And I know that, yeah, all this work has been a gift and you do so much other storytelling and facilitation work that's a gift. And I know that that abundance is gonna come back to you somehow. So, yeah, just gratitude. And gratitude for you for widening my perspective of my role and shaping this new cycle of Cooperative Journal with me. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode. I'm on a mission to get these little known solutions out to as many people as possible. 
So please help me by sharing, leaving a like, and a review. If you would like to stay in the loop about future episodes, please subscribe to the podcast or my newsletter at cooperativejournal.com.